Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wake up in the morning feeling like... Waterman is extremely well. She's very slippery. You don't own me. Okay, now the tough question. Is this a try? Yes or no? Just because I'm a woman. <laughs> Hello, Tryhards podcaster friends. 2021 has started with an even worse intro. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with it. I started saying Tryhards podcast and then I was like, I don't know what, I, I didn't want to say hello friends. Um, but then, you know, really, hello, Franz. Um, how's things? Yeah, not too bad. I've just done my morning walk and I've clocked 3.33 exactly weird miles for um, Doddy um, for hashtag Team South. Um, How are you? I didn't know that you were involved. Why are you Team South? I didn't know that you could pick your team. And really, I should probably be Team Exiles, but I basically, Rory Lawson is Team South captain. Obviously, Rory's one of my close friends and was like, you go on, you pick Team South. And I just followed his instructions. I didn't realise I could have not picked Team (laughs) South, but I'm Team South. So I've done 13.33 miles total this week. I missed the day yesterday. I did five miles Monday and Tuesday, 3.33 today. I might try and get another walk in later. Um... But yeah, we're doing it for Doddy. That's nice. No, no, Johnny, uh, Johnny BT messaged me and was like, do you want to be part of it? And I was like, hell yeah, of course. What do I do? Um, <laughs> Team Exiles then. Yeah. And it was I thought actually, you would have gone with where your auntie lives. Um, don't actually know really roughly right, geography okay. wise where that is. And also Johnny BT was lovely and messaged me and asked me to be involved. So yeah. I haven't officially clocked anything yet, but I am all ready to go and went on a little 5k, well, 5.5k today I managed actually, Um, which leads, yeah, dash, um, actually leads on to a thought that we've had about um, the new year. Well, it's it's obviously been a bit rubbishy, Um, new lockdown in England, Wales have been locked down for 533 years um, and just everything and we were chatting off the pod and we talked about um, bringing some positivity weren't we? Yeah we want to have a pause for positivity at the beginning of the podcast for the next few weeks Um, and in fact it's something that we'd love you to join in with a little bit as well and maybe send us on social media what your positive in your life is and it can be something that you've done it can be something you've experienced it can be a really small win um i'm gonna tell you what mine is um actually no you tell me yours first i was gonna say can i yeah because mine was quite small but on the run this morning one it was 5.5k which is further than i've done for a decent amount of time amazing but the positivity came from the fact that I managed to finally find my mum's headband which is actually from the 80s um and she used to run um half marathons mum was a little ledge um the old dashing obviously last October completed the London marathon so I channeled my inner super um and got on her headband and uh yeah I felt really positive and good vibes there you go I love that. And I think you're going to have to put a picture on social media just so we look good, look good, feel good. Absolutely. Look good, play good, look good, run further than you have done for ages. (laughs) Um, My positivity 
in my life this week is that my mum is now doing all my washing for me. What? So as you well know, I live in a small one bedroom flat. I don't have any windows in my flat. Um, which well, you do have windows. Well, I do have windows, but basically <laughs> I've, I've got one big patio door. So it's all on nothing. I can't just have like a, a little bit of air, um, which means it's really difficult to dry clothes. And my mum's taken pity on me and has now just said that she'll do all of my washing for me. And I know it sounds like a, what a lazy thing to do as an adult, you know, you're hardly working, all this kind of thing. But it's something that really stresses me out because... I can't dry my clothes. It makes my, my flat damp. It means that things like a pair of jeans take about two weeks to dry <laughs> in the conditions of my flat. Why would you need to wash jeans at the moment? Don't I make know. out you've worn jeans recently. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm trying to think when the last time I did wear jeans, but I am going to wear jeans tomorrow for work because I've got clean jeans to wear. So, you know, it's, oh. I mean, it's mainly a lot of leisure wear that she's washing, but regardless this is the most positive thing to happen to me in inspired time. inspired by both of our mums so there you go yeah yes well done Suber and Karen Jones you are the heroes of this week's pod um I also we've d- discussed outside of the podcast we are going to bring you our try hard tip of the week as well so knowledge you want to leave on this yeah well one thing that I learned from Giselle a little while ago was um, we're talking about just to-do list. I love writing a to-do list. I'm not very good at completing the to-do list. And I do have things that potentially were on my to-do list for all of lockdown. Um, and uh, yeah, anyway, we, we hey, were chatting. Tell you what isn't on that list. Cleaning out that cupboard behind you. No, it's a mess again. So it needs to be, it's gone back onto the list. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so Giselle was talking about how um she got rid of frogs on her to-do list and I was like what are you on about Giselle and she's like she's talking about reading it from a book I don't know anyway she basically said frogs on your to-do list are the things that jump from from to-do list to to-do list to do list now I love a visualization and it does make sense to me now so my tip of the week is to basically squish your frogs every Friday to make sure that by Monday or by Monday, you get rid of the frogs so they don't leap into Friday. Um, whichever way around you want to do it, because if you squish a frog, it's amazing how much more energy you actually get. It's like I find, I finally paint my toenails. I'm then flying and I basically tidy the whole house. I do all sorts of things. <laughs> you know what, as well, that's a really interesting like analogy because I have this a lot where something as simple as like painting your toenails makes you feel like a organized person like you've got your life together so you can like tackle anything i completely get that um what would now we do have we do have quite a few male listeners so if you want to paint your toenails i know a number of the male rugby players used to actually james haskell i think has put it out there because it stops getting the black nails which is awful um might also feel a little bit more um you know fresh a little bit more colorful David Flatland, 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 regularly, regularly gets his daughters to paint his nails. So, you know, bit of lockdown entertainment for your children, bit of colour, colour for you. And uh, who knows? I like that. Get some more stuff done. My, that's my tip. My tip is going to be, do you know what? This isn't like a tip for like living life, but it's just a tip of something that like I've done this week, which was something that was handed to me by another friend and it's a baton I like to hand on is at the moment I live alone I'm sure there are other people who listen to the pod who live alone there's nothing more soul destroying than cooking meals for one so it's quite nice to make things that you know you can get a few meals out of so on Monday I made a joint of gammon and I did cola ham so my friend Luke Rosier, who's a former colleague of mine at Sky Sports, used to sing, it's just another hammy Monday. And he used to make this every Monday. So we didn't work Mondays in production. And he lived in a house full of boys. So he would make them ham every Monday. And it's basically a joint of ham uh, in a saucepan with a red onion quartered, a couple of carrots, a couple of sticks of celery and a bottle of Coke and like Coca-Cola and bring it to the boil and then cook it for about 45 minutes for every 750 grams of ham and then once it's simmered 
the appropriate amount of time, take it out, glaze it with black treacle and French grain mustard and put it in the oven for 15 minutes. And it is just the juiciest meat imaginable. And I did it on Monday and I obviously had the kind of, it took me back to, you know, times when I was younger and I used to cook that on a day off and it just, it was just so nice. And then I had the leftovers in sandwiches on Tuesday and it was just a really, again, cooking gives me a bit of a feeling of purpose in times where it's really easy to especially when you live alone to buy ready meals or to eat random a lot of crudite there'll be a lot of other people who eat bags of carrot batons and hummus for their dinner when you live alone um, um, and cooking, going through the christmas cheese board that oh, might yeah. not have been. <laughs> yeah exactly um so yeah it's just something for me doing something like that made me feel like it was a good on a monday at least to make a meal from scratch was something that made me feel kind of normal and happy about the week. So my tip is making cola ham because it'll just bring so much happiness to your life. Um, and when you say cola, I mean, is it a bottle of Coke, actual official Coke or is I it- I used um... Morrison's own cola. Oh. I felt like the cheaper the cola, the better. <laughs> so like it wasn't Coke, it was cola. Oh, right. uh, you can't use Coke Zero, you can't use Diet Coke. Um, it was just so good and I had it with roasted root vegetables, roast potatoes. It would have been nice with the parsley sauce but I made a kind of from my black treacle and cola um, but it was just delicious. It was wow. so nice. Yeah. So there you go listeners. Um, we Thank have you. our very own tryhards Delia um, and two top tips on some positivity. Fly in. Um, talking of positivity, I went into Wales camp on Sunday so I yeah did, I saw it yeah so up with I, the gang um how good do those pictures look as well my cameraman Matt Cahill is just the best of the best and I've worked I, with Matt he's a good guy he's he is the nicest man in the world um I love him to bits I've known him a long time um we've been on some adventures he actually filmed the world record attempts that I did in Toulon um so we've been on some good trips and had a lot of fun over the years but he's also just a very very talented man and took some amazing pictures can I just stop you there yeah um talk about world records yeah when we were little one of the best presents that we ever got my mum bought my oldest brother sam the guinness world record the book of guinness world records or whatever and we were obsessed with it we were absolutely obsessed with it and i remember being absolutely obsessed with the picture of the person with the world's longest fingernails Ew, and it was absolutely yeah no. you saw record person. breakers though and with Cheryl Baker and Chris Akabusi. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we used to always come up, try and come up with versions of like what we could do. And the, but the fingernails, I don't know whether it's been broken. I actually walked past Waterstones the other day. Broken it was in the window. Um, the person was stood upstairs and they were like hanging over the balcony. They were that long. And me and my brothers were always like, but how do they walk? Like obviously like with them dragging behind them, do they hold their hands in the air? Like, they what do they do? Don't they, as they grow, like... No, um, they, like... Oh, oh no, the one who was on the programme, hers were, like, like twisted as they grew. <laughs> and she... There was, a, a, like, a clip in the rushes where she was cutting her grandson's hair. And I was like, but not how do you eat, how do you wipe your bum? <laughs> no, and I, I, because, obviously, I have my, my hands in a plaster cast at Christmas, I've come to a whole new understanding of, like... How? And uh, so I'll tell you this because my dad doesn't listen to the podcast. Why are you leaning closer to the screen? It's not a secret when it's on a podcast. Like a mile away. Um, so when my hand, when I hit my hand and it was in the plaster and I basically, the straw that, sorry to any listeners here if this is too graphic for you, the straw that broke the camel's back before I went to hospital was that you do everything right-handed and it was very painful to do some basic, you know, kind of ablution tasks right-handed. Putting your hair up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And basically I um, told my dad this after my hand was in plaster and I was like, how am I going to wipe my bum? Like my right hand is in plaster. And my dad is actually going in next Thursday to have his thumb fused. He's already had his left hand fused. Now he's having his right hand fused. And he revealed to my mum and I that he's been practicing wiping his bum with his left hand <laughs> in preparation. And that's probably quite an obvious thing to do if you know that you're going to be uh, without the use of it. But I just thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. Like, 
you know, I haven't witnessed him practicing eating with his left hand or doing anything else, but he came around and said, yeah, I've been practicing. And I just thought, <laughs> but just the typical thing that a man would think of. So I'm sorry to anyone who listens. A man to from the military, I think. A man from the military, yeah. <laughs> no NJJ, please don't tell him that I brought that up because he'd be really angry. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah, we've deviated from the uh, point. That I was the Guinness make. Book World Record book or whatever. I can't, what's the name of the book? The Guinness Book of World Records. That's it. Which is um, affiliated with Guinness and Record Breaker. I that's it was such a lovely flashback. Not the nails, but just how much we were obsessed with reading it. Um, and actually, tell you a little story. I was part of a world record um, down on Western Supermare Beach. I was part of Sporting Champions, um, and oh, who was I with? A GB volleyball player oh my god I'm really this I'm really sorry I'm sure you don't listen to the pod it probably does but um I um I can't remember oh my god it will come back to me her name um but we Denise some oh it'll come back um and we did the most amount of sandcastles built on a beach in half an hour oh, wow yeah it was amazing I was part of that we had a whole load of school kids down there it was amazing I obviously got mega mega competitive um in my own zone and uh, like you I know it was quite surprising actually. I was supposed to be there to encourage the kids, obviously. Get out of my way! Took it to heart that I obviously needed to contribute. This sand isn't wet enough! (laughs) Um, Anyway, there you go. At home and you're homeschooling, you you would do worse than buy the Guinness Book of World Records for them to flick through because obviously you have world records in there like, you know, um, the fastest 100 meters run and the longest fingernails but there are things that you can get them attempting so when we did the guinness world records attempts one of them was to crush the most apples with your bicep in 30 seconds now no kid is going to be able to do that it's really hard um or the other one that we, we have quite a lot of older male listeners in exactly. there like 30 to 40 looking at our demographic no pressure be a try hard try. Yeah, the record is 19 so there you go so that's something perhaps to look at and do you know what's really weird we're talking about this um one of the ones that we tried was the most pairs of socks paired in 30 seconds and i'm wearing a pair of the socks <laughs> that's amazing that's really good i think oh, I, no, should, no, no. So I might be he didn't I get might be, he didn't get anywhere I close might to be it. good at it i might be good at it only because of my dodgy thumbs i've got a lot of movement so therefore it's not that. it's your your brain so you have to have them as a jumbled pile and you oh, have to find, they have to be pairs so you have to find two <laughs> socks and ball them and your brain you just stand there shaking the other one was the most socks on one foot and i think he got like 10 and the record was like 40 but you can imagine how big your leg ends up being when you've got that many socks on one foot and it was one of these things we'd spent so we flew out there to do it i had to bring two adjudicators from guinness world records i had um my friend and colleague josh shooting it matt cahill was the cameraman as i've mentioned so we spent thousands on this and we got so the first record he attempted was the most jaffa cakes eaten in who was it drew mitchell and he ate two jaffa cakes in a minute i say or it was i can't remember what the length of time was but he was like 40 short of the record and by the time we got to the third record, I had sweat like dripping down my back because I was thinking we spent all this money and he's not even close to any of these records. Like it was ridiculous. And then he tried the most apples crushed with the bicep, which he managed to do. Um, he and Matt Gitter. So he got a record in that. Oh yeah, yeah, he's got four. So he, and then they did, oh, he did the most knuckle press ups, which we allowed the legend Bobby Paul Stridgen to come and help him with and we had to cut most of the audio out because Bobby just stood there swearing at him telling him how rubbish he was um they did the most passes of a rugby ball between a pair they broke that record Matt Gitto oh my gosh I've just realized what was the Sky Sports Kids show that um Game Changers Game Changers so I'm gonna just digress only because they attempted that when I went on there and I was on there with Maggie and Heather and I was a Sky Sports athlete mentor, so worked in schools, enga- like with um, engaging with disadvantaged, disengaged kids and like, or just sporty groups. Like it was absolutely brilliant. I love it. I'm still part of the Youth Sport Trust, as you know. But 
it meant that we've got to go on game changes and we did this like little coaching clinic and then we went into the studio and honest to god my absolute goal as a kid was to be on a saturday morning show so i became obsessed with being on the show but even but i was obviously the athlete mentor and kind of helping to host but it was like i was far more excited than all of the kids if the camera had followed me around it oh, it would have it's it because would have been growing up watching live and kicking yeah it would have been and fun house fun house whole lot of fun that was on yeah, a saturday anyway. morning that was on a weekday uh, afternoon oh was it oh yeah. well anyway loved it um and yeah no i think it was actually wasn't it live and kicking was good um but um they decided to try and attempt the guinness world record of past best passes in a minute they have an international fullback sat there and they decided to use maggie and heather two back rowers and and maggie, maggie was famed for passing it, yeah it was it was honestly one of the funniest things because i sat there watching as they passed the ball heather was a good heather was okay at passing but they were passing it so hard to each other because They've always competed against each other as two yeah. back rowers. At one point, there was this display with all of the gifts that people have brought in to the show. And the ball was launched so far. Oh, he smashed everything. <laughs> it was just absolutely ridiculous. They got nowhere close to it. And it was a bit embarrassing because it was live TV. Anyway. Um, well, the boys broke it. So we, so drew and matt no, i'm not surprised and broke it yeah but the worst thing was so they broke it and they were like yeah we've done it and it, they'd just before the 2015 world cup two english like teenage boys like late teens early 20s had got the record so matt and drew were like yeah we've taken it off the english and then this isn't funny but i know this guy is is has on the mend now after it was released that they'd broken the record, the guy who had held the record previous to that messaged Drew and was like, oh, um, hi, Drew, hope you're well. Well done on taking our record. Just to let you know, I've broken my neck playing rugby. Um, <gasps> Drew was like, I had never felt that guilty in his life. Like they'd given it the big one that they'd taken these two young boys record. The guy's okay now and actually did really well through his rehab and said to Drew, oh, you know, why don't you and I try it? And, you know, we can take the record together and take it off the other two boys you know but it uh, imagine oh <laughs> uh, we've taken your record i've actually broken my neck yeah oh, okay. oh my god yeah awesome. anyway um yeah. should we go back to you going to wales camp yeah so we're going to wales <laughs> camp um and i have to say um literally a year ago so i went in when chris horseman was in charge a year ago before the six nations when uh, wales played ireland in a behind the closed doors the closed doors behind the <laughs> doors um little friendly hit out did, you, did the then, doors get opened and la, 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 la. the doors yeah <laughs> the doors. Um, are they open were they open towards you were they slide open outwards doors give you more space pocket doors um i've watched a lot of home improvement shows during lockdown um so went in last year and i you know not to besmirch or bad mouth anyone but i kind of felt that there was something lacking in Wales camp in terms of women being coached by people who understood the women's game. And Warren Abrams has been brought in and is the most positive man I've ever met. He's come from um, a short spell with USA Rugby Sevens, uh, working with Chris Brown, and who is a great guy. You and I both have a huge amount of respect from him from the Seven series. Um, Warren is so positive and like, it may, you know, I had to say to him, look, I have hurt my hand. Can you just chill out a little bit, please? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm meant to be the energy. But I just, you know, it, it got to the point in the interview where I was so kind of buzzing for Wales women at the World Cup. that I had to say to him, look, my hand's not in great shakes. I'm not going to make the Six Nations, but I could have a run for the World Cup. I felt that inspired by it. So that was a really nice positive. But the, I think the, for me, the far more interesting conversation I had that day is I spoke to all three of the coaches and I've definitely talked about it on the pod before that I really have to understand. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I, 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 had, rugby. You do this I had a flash, I had a flashback to you telling me that you wanted to play 10 in a testimonial game with me and what that would look like in my head still is there as one of the funniest images of rugby and it hasn't even happened. It will happen. Yeah, it Jane. will happen at a World Cup. <laughs> anyway um snowy don't panic but you know <laughs> maybe a little bit um i 
so I spoke to Rachel Taylor as well and I've spoken on the pod a lot about the fact that I haven't been able to understand why she wasn't involved in that setup but having spoken to her on Sunday and, and this will all be on Scrum 5 this coming weekend Oops, spoiler alert spoiler alert um was that she you know like she said she's been given the opportunity to go away from a setup that she played in and learn more about the game learn from coaching men coaching age grade coaching club rugby in wales with um gogleth cymru and that means north wales um and it really made me realize that actually the path that she's taken here and this expansion of knowledge and um experience is going to stand wales women so much better in the long run um so i'm so so pleased to see her involved and then sophie spence the geordie irish girl um <laughs> through me because i've never heard sophie spence speak so i've obviously covered lots of island women's games over the years and i'm so used to seeing her in green with her head taped and then she sat down and she talks like this but in a Geordie accent. What's that? <laughs> yeah, I tried. I really tried. Um, pet. Um, so why I? She even she said that she's found Warren's uh, philosophy for the game just so laced in positivity that she wanted to put her boots back on, and it was just great to talk to the two of them as well about the. Girl's slightly awkward because she's coaching Wales, so she's... I know. I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think, Dash, but actually, like, don't get too keen. I think. Um, to be fair. I think you cover a few good points there um, about, I actually watched a, um, a video from Jamie Carragher. Um, Cara? Football, yeah, Cara, that's the only reason I remembered his name because his Twitter handle was at C-A-R-R-A. Anyway, um, he was talking about, um, obs, like not rugby, but football and Frank Lampard and coaches like Michael Owen and stuff going in and being football managers right to the top straight away and that actually as much as they've got there because of their name it's not because of their experience and coaching isn't like that and you know as somebody that has stepped into coaching and done it for a significant part of my career I remember my first uh first few months or first year really at Hartbury when I went in 2010 we lost the world cup I actually remember when we lost the world cup final I walked over towards the tunnel because my parents were sat above it and I was like looking and I was trying to get my like my dad to come down obviously Super was there straight away um and um and I was like waiting and everyone was like and and Siobhan Longdon Hughes who was one of the girls that was coming and Hartbury was like, Nolly, Nolly, I'll see you next week. I'm coming to Hartbury. And I was like, I don't want to go to work. <laughs> anyway, she was a brilliant girl. Um, but she, but um, I remember starting at Hartbury in the first year being like, what is this coaching malarkey? Like I'd done loads of teaching. I'd done bits and pieces and I'd coached, but I hadn't run a whole program. I hadn't headed up something. And, you know, I was working with under 18s and, and, and at the same, but at the same time, it was just this baptism of fire, like, oh my gosh. And, and what I did in my first year compared to my fourth year was like totally different, you know, and, and actually then what I took from that learning into the Wasps Academy, and this is all at under 18 levels, this is academy stuff, to then go into a senior role with the Italian guys and, and the Cavaliers. And, and actually, the one thing that I was taught when I was at Hartbury was to, to not take a position until I really felt like, not that I was ready, because I think a lot of coaching comes, you, you kind of, with every job, you know, there's always that imposter syndrome, isn't there? There's yeah. always like, I'm not ready, you know, and you, you never can be ready to the point where you, you, you know, actually flying. But if you take one of those top jobs, you are there to be shot down. And there is, it's a lot quicker down because there's not, there's no, there's not anywhere further yeah. to go really. And like it's brilliant that, that Tails has done that in terms of going and getting experience away from her environment because she is a fun she was a fantastic rugby player um and is a fantastic coach but she will have got so much from it to learn away from that international role yeah. and then I suppose to build on that with Sophie Spence um in that intern role um and Amy Turner um who is the intern with England Rugby um going into the Women's World Cup for those that don't know World Rugby have placed a position and given them accreditation and support financially um one intern for every nation that's at the World Cup and I think it's absolutely brilliant idea I think it, it's promoting female coaches 
um, it's giving them exposure at the top level um, but fundamentally it's providing experience in a nurtured way in a way to develop and I hope I hope that all of the nations take it seriously and provide that experience and really um, support those those younger, like not younger in age, but younger in um, experienced coaches. Because you know, for me, Amy Turner was the perfect choice for that role. She's an awesome coach. Um, will actually do a hell of a lot if she's given the opportunity um, with England, um, especially in the back. And it was really cool to see her pitch side running water doing all those duties because she's learning about it before yeah. being in the limelight and being criticized and being shot down and yeah i think um it's good it's yeah, cool to see sophie spence in that role as well yeah and, and for um, people who kind of don't understand why sophie spence as a former irish international is with wales she is on a wru um player coaching pathway she's been a part of that for I think the past 18 months she but well, she lives in Wales isn't she she's got a coffee yeah, she shop lives Swansea. she's got a um she's got a coffee shop down there and she coaches I think at Pencloud um but she's on the WIU player um coach pathway which people like Reese Webb are also on so that's why she's got that affiliation so it's fit really well uh, and obviously for her at the moment like she's the cafe shut because of lockdown so she's able to throw everything into coaching and yeah, she was really excitable. And one thing I think for Wales fans that I kind of like took from it and something to get Wales fans excited, you know, in terms of what global sporting events we have this year, for me, looking at the calendar, and I, I mean outside of rugby, across all sports, the Women's World Cup is something that we can be um, hopeful of taking place because of the stringent measures New Zealand have taken and because of where it's <laughs> the one, I was going to say the one place in the world that you'd want a tournament exactly. to be going ahead is New Zealand there's cricket down there as well this year isn't there so I'd be really hopeful of it going ahead and for a number of reasons I think Wales fans need to get excited get behind the girls and really start showing an interest in this one of them is that the opening match of this tournament could be New Zealand Wales at Eden Park and yeah. you know the girls you could the girls are fizzing with excitement when you talk about it with them and that's a really exciting prospect um that's huge the other thing is that maybe not so much at half time when they've been back <laughs> you know, for 40 yeah. minutes they could be rusty they've got all the pressure that's the vibe <laughs> i'm going for but one thing that we've talked about before that is going to have a huge impact and this is something i talked to tales about is that this quarter final level that is being put into the women's world cup it's countries like wales where that's going to have a big impact because it's it's going to be knockout rugby and it's you know they have got an absolutely horrendous group to get out of but equally there are more places to get out of the group and get into there's only three pools and then there's eight slots to be filled beyond that so i do think that wales fans it's time to really get behind wales women this year this is it and you know what the quarterfinals is brilliant because i actually think there's going to be some upsets i think what happens is you don't see the upsets normally in the the women's world cup because you go straight to semis and then like you know it's semi-final final so you're yeah. pretty much towards the end of the, i think that i think that that is going to be um it's going to be it's going to be fun to see actually um and that actually more nerve-wracking for the the players um than so i remember the semi-finals for me world cup semi-finals were the worst games i ever played really? because yeah because they they were the point where you lost the opportunity to become a world champion or not and yeah. there was nothing if you didn't win that game there was nothing you could do to get a gold medal like it you know it, it it's yeah like so i was always the most nervous the most nervous and you know, semi-final in 2014, played Ireland. Ireland beat New Zealand. They were the ones, they were the talk of the tournament. And we put, we actually ended up putting together probably our best performance of the tournament and probably one of the best performances England have seen as a collective squad. Um, because we were all really nervous <laughs> before that. Um, and then you've got, um, and then, you know, the, the semi-final in... 2017 against France again France were the talk of the the tournament I only lasted 25 minutes before I went off with my HIA but it was probably the hardest 25 minutes of my career yeah. and the girls said that that was probably the hardest 80 minutes they've ever played yeah because it's the pressure of the knockout nature of that game and and so yeah and I, I think maybe when you get to a final that anything's possible as well whereas at a semi-final there's it's not well is it more pressure 
when it gets to a final is it not a what will be will be but we've got to the final we can be world champions whereas that you've got more well, you've got the shot at it haven't you final. yeah yeah you've got the shot at it if you don't win the semi-final you haven't even got a shot no. like there's nothing you can do whereas at least if you're in the game there's something you could do you've got 80 minutes ahead of you to do something about winning um yeah and i i think the the thing for me i got asked the other day you know how will england get on will they win it and look i think and it probably leads on quite nicely to the club rugby stuff at the moment but new zealand are ahead of the game because they're new zealand they're at home and um, but also the amount of rugby that they've been able to play all yeah. the way through because of you know the the restrictions that they haven't had on them um and it's also meant that loads of their seven stars have been able to have a significant proportion of time in the 15s game which they yeah. wouldn't have normally had um in the build-up um so it's good practice for them obviously not ideal for everyone else um and then the other side of it is that england have got good depth so the depth for england um i think will stand them in good stead more so possibly than france although we saw a lot more players playing through the, the autumns with france because they are trying to build that depth because yeah. and that's where the difference between someone like wales and england and france you know the top teams and the you know you've got this kind of core group at the top and then below is that actually with england they can put out anyone within their world cup squad to start a game and and be in contention to to win that game you know whereas wales will have a very clear starting squad yeah. maybe maybe 18 19 players that they can they can select from rather than the 28 and and so i think that that's where you'll see a difference in the in the nature but that said anything like the I think the quarterfinals make it exciting um, and how that tears out because it comes from three pools, which is a, str it's just yeah. a strange one. Uh, um, I have got yeah. a question for you. I had a conversation, I, I won't say who with, earlier this week about the nature of this year's sporting calendar. And there is still great doubt over the Olympics and if it goes this summer, because, you know, the way that swimming and athletics and stuff like that works, they can't delay it another year. It will just go on to Paris. There'll be no Tokyo Olympics. In a rugby sense, in terms of sevens players then being available for 15s, I know that there are a number of players who intend to try and do both anyway, but if they don't have the Olympics to concentrate on, which country will benefit the most, do you think, from a pool of sevens players who then become available to the 15s programme? Um, I think New Zealand. I think as soon as it's cancelled, I think New Zealand, will, the girls will just jump straight across. Um, and it's... I think England and Team GB, they've been playing in Premier 15s, you know, um, all of the girls have been involved in 15s, but I think the fact that as soon as that announcement happens, they are, they are world-class rugby players that are going to be in there. I think another team that will benefit is Australia. Um, a lot of the girls would be really interested to see whether the where the Sevens girls go, because we saw the likes of Charlotte Catholic, world-class rugby player, going into the... Um, rugby league and actually like and tiana um no not tiana yes it is Polite. Polite. Ivania, Polite. Yeah. yeah ivania that's it sorry um you know actually carving up ellie green carving up in rugby league do they then say actually you know what let's give a crack at 15s and yeah. it, with them in a 15s game it's going to be very different again so i think maybe yeah probably new zealand australia would benefit because of the the world-class players they've got in their sevens program two teams in wales's group so not the answer I was <laughs> i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, 
You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Anyway, we move on to club rugby. Yeah, well, that's probably like quite a, a, that's a big thing for England and Wales and and any, uh, and Ireland as well. Um, You know, obviously they haven't qualified yet, but the fact that Premier 15s is, is going ahead, I think is absolutely massive. And I don't, compliment the RFU unless they really 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 deserve it and they really really deserve it I think but they have been absolutely outstanding at getting the women's game going when I definitely didn't think it would happen from October um, the number of fixtures that have gone ahead have been a handful cancelled obviously because of Covid ironically one was cancelled because of a frozen pitch the other day which I thought was quite <laughs> funny um, the, the the sharks clash um, DMP and sale but um, typical northern rugby but anyway um, I think that it's been brilliant. I think the the law changes have just been confirmed as well. So they're going to stay in 35 minutes. Um, that's probably not ideal prep because there's hardly any scrums. Um, yeah. Although the forwards probably are loving it. Not ideal to not go into a World Cup having done lots of scrummaging. No. Um, but they, um, yeah, I think it's 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 class to see the girls playing. And so what although... did you this article this week that Rugby Pass um, have put out about the lack of testing in the women's game and how it's not fair comparative to the men's? Did it come out on Rugby Pass? I didn't, I didn't see it. Is it, tele- no, Telegraph. Oh, is it Telegraph? Oh, no, sorry. The Rugby Pass article was about sexism in the women's game. My apologies. Yeah. So yeah, it was a Telegraph. Yeah, yeah, it was Fiona, wasn't it? The Telegraph who put the article out. Yeah, it was on the... Um... On the back of Christine Summer, who's a, a American international that plays at Quinn's, had tweeted saying that she was concerned about the safety of female players playing in the Allianz Premier 15s because there's no testing. Um, and I, I think I'm, I don't agree. And as a player, I think that, all right, she has an opinion, you know, about the player safety and her own well-being. Um, from my perspective, if she, everything has been done by the RFU and the clubs to make it as safe as possible for those fixtures to play. Now, she comments about the fact that it's not elite or professional. So elite and professional sport in, in England can carry on. And she says it's not elite and it's not professional, it's amateur. And that made me really angry because we have fought for so long for it to be called elite because it is the top class club rugby it's not international level but it's the top class club rugby and therefore is in my opinion elite those girls train full-time they might have to work as well whether they but I through my career I did that and I would never say that I was an amateur over I was always an elite I was an elite amateur player you know um because I just didn't get paid the paid bit is where you get the professional tag and and I think you know, from her point of view and her concern, um, you know, if, if that's her decision, it, for me, that her decision should be, therefore, she doesn't play in, or yeah. gets, you know, and, and isn't involved until she feels safe. That's absolutely fine on a personal level. But for me as a player, I think we can only compliment the RFU and say, well done for putting everything in place. I know that they would not be prepared to allow that league to go ahead if they ever thought that a player was going, was going to be at, high risk or whatever it might be Absolutely. and I know that you mentioned to me the other day when we were talking about this the bigger picture of it is have a conversation with a bloke who plays for a championship rugby team about how much rugby that they've seen this year which is an RFU funded competition and this is where you know the RFU really can be complimented because they've put their money where their mouth is and they've chosen to support the women's game perhaps at the detriment of lower levels of the men's game we can't have it all you know, we we are all acutely aware of how much money this is costing the premiership sides. The premiership sides who now have less money because the TV deal, because right. of the, the nature of what's going on. And it is costing millions to test these people. Millions. Yeah. And and also, you know, the other the risk 
I suppose the reason with the testing is there for the men's is because they um, they have the money to pay yeah. for the testing fundamentally. Um, they are also multi-million pound businesses that are part of multi-million pound um, TV deals to get the games going. And also they train full time together all day, every day. Now, internationals, before they go into camp, before England went into camp, they were all tested because they are in a different type of bubble that and different training environment where they will do longer periods of time with contact longer diff and different types of training yeah. than allowed with premier 15 so there are really strict rules around the premier 15s they have to record every session that so that if anyone does test positive then basically they can see exactly who they've been sat with exactly yeah. who they've everything has to be recorded um there's i think it's only a 15 minute window where they're allowed to be elements of contact yeah um so there's lots of things they that have been put in place a vast amount of time over that autumn away from their families and an example of that was a really heartwarming um mallory launchbury put a video on her instagram of Blythe being reunited with joe which made you realize you know this they're being tested and it's costing loads but it's also like the personal cost of you know they're away from their families now the reality with the women's game is, you know, it is elite, as you say, but it isn't necessarily professional because people are having to pay their bills and other jobs. You can't afford for people to be in camps where they're completely isolated and excluded because they have to go to work. So it is a case of the RFU are doing as much as they can. And it does mean that we're seeing women's rugby when it would be quite easy for them to say, no, we can't sanction this because we can't. Yeah. We can't. And then what? And then what would everyone say? Oh, women's rugby is not playing. And, you know, there was a massive fuss about under 18 football in academies being allowed with the boys and not with the girls. And everyone was like, but the boys can, but the girls can't. It came down to cost. It came down to the cost of not just testing, but running a COVID safe protocol. And the women's doesn't have it. So, okay, right. We take, you know, when I was involved, so this is the first round of um, funding from the um, Premier 15s, it was £75,000 per club. Now, there was an additional amount of money that was given per sponsorship. Like, what are you saying? Like, a £50,000 goes towards testing. What happens to the rest of the support that the programmes are supposed to be offering? And it's like this, this constant, you know, Robin Peter to pay Paul situation. Yeah. And, you know, okay, so the money needs to be there, but it's not. So yeah. what do we do? Do you, do you take the funding and test everybody? And then actually we say, but actually because we've taken the money from this area of professional coaching, medical cover, nutritional support, analysis, facilities, kit, because we've taken the money from that part of money and we've put it into testing. Well, then the argument is, well, we don't have any of that. So, yeah. it, you know, I think and how we can far do does that put back the women's game in, say, two years when you look further down the line and you say, well, we had to stop that then. So it's it's going to have a long-term impact so interesting it's a it's an interesting debate and well i think i think fundamentally as a player you've got a choice and yeah. you make the choice to either be involved or not and you know because we're not bound well some of the girls are bound by contract certain like certain level of contract in terms of turning up or being paid or whatever you're gonna to have to make a choice yeah. but you know if there are players that feel that they're not safe then don't don't be involved you know that and that's 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 okay as well i think that 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 needs to be supported as much as yeah. the fact that i agree that this is going ahead and i feel like all of the things in place are protecting the players as much as possible yeah and um, moving on uh, big news in my world this week is that um john mulverhill has been I won't say sacked from the Blues because we don't really know the it, what's gone on there, but John Mulverhill has left Cardiff Blues as head coach. And it could mean that my former boss at the Blues, Di Young, is on his way back to the Arms Park. Um, good times are here again. <laughs> Wasn't he, was he there? I'm sure I've heard you tell a story about him being there when you worked there as a nipper, yeah, he, he little was nipper. When I, so I worked at the Blues from the age of 17 to about 21, 22, 22. And um, he- Living the dream? Living, living the dream. I was living the dream, like some of the best times of my life. Um, Have I ever told you about living the dream, the, um, the tattoo situation? No. So we had like live the dream as part of our um, strap line with England years ago. And um, with the old rose that looked like a tulip, but it was supposed yeah. to be a rosebud. Anyway, and yeah. it was on our Gilbert kit. Yeah. And um, 
cat merchant had a tattoo that she got that that rose tattooed onto her shoulder and um, had instead of had live the dream the tattoo artist got it wrong and it said live the dream oh my god stop <laughs> she's now got it covered with a proper big rose and like she's got a big old tattoo on the back that's really cool but um yeah live that's the dream funny. was something that we found funny for a long 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 time that is a nightmare my friend who is a deputy head teacher in a secondary school has got no regrets tattooed in huge letters across the bottom of his back which ironically he really regrets <laughs> just can't make it up can't make it up um i don't know how many tattoos die young has got though he could <laughs> get the um the eyebrow tats because he doesn't have any eyebrows and if you're thinking what go and have a look next time you look at die young next time you see a photo of him next time you see him on a touchline he doesn't have any i eyebrows. genuinely want to i really want to google him now <laughs> because i my i don't know whether he had eyebrows as a young man but he obviously used to tape his head when he played so my assumption is uh, that he just wax. waxed them off accidentally <laughs> um, and I always wonder what he does in terms of like when he sweats because that's the purpose your eyebrows serve is to obviously no to the girls actually you know what that's very very true because Heather Fisher um friend of the pod friend of oh. ours um oh. she obviously having alopecia um has meant that she's lost her eyebrows, but also has meant she lost her eyelashes <clears throat> and actually really struggles with sweat and um, like eyes potentially getting infected and all sorts yeah. of having problems because they do actually have a, have a reason for being on our face. Like if you, it's not just for sculpting, it's for their, for. Well, NJ has stuff. this issue because he is like mortally afraid of looking like an old man so he trims his eyebrows and every now and again he uses a little knit comb and nail scissors or sometimes uses his hair clippers and a knit comb and he trims his eyebrows so they never look bushy like an old man and sometimes he does it too short and he comes in from a bike ride and his eyes are like bloodshot red where he's just had he's a sweaty man and he's just had like streams of sweat into his eyeballs so um, I actually read something the other day which I thought was really really funny um that back in I don't know it's basically talking about like how eyebrows have changed over the like so you know if you were if you were a 90s early 2000s teenager as a girl you're not you're like r.i.p to eyebrows like there's yeah, photographs of me awful yeah. um now they're like like ridiculous slugs and that's fashionable but yeah. apparently back in the 1800s or something they used to shape the they used to pluck or shave or whatever they used to do to their eyebrows um, to make their forehead bigger. Wow. <laughs> so then I was like, actually, yeah, because can you remember they used to like put white, they'd white, white out their face? Yeah. But then if you think about the pictures of the queens, they've got really big high hairlines, haven't they? I mean, you've got a low hairline, so therefore Very you would need hair. to maybe Front shave back. off your eyebrows and just have them just above your eye eyelids. <laughs> <laughs> like literally like in the crease of my eyelid. <laughs> I'm, trying anyway, to um, I'm glad that people can't see what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, that's the big news. I know that you are now like an Uber Pro 14 enthusiast because you have to watch the games a bit more because of the Champions Cup and you watch the Interpros over Christmas, which it makes me a bit sad that this is your first real kind of like deep dive into them because there are no fans there. And normally it is the most tribal that you see the Pro 14 all season and, you know, Toman Park at its best um, over Christmas. It was 2003 in March, um, Ireland v England, my first cap, five people in the stands. Five people in the stands, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Two of them, mum and stepdad. <laughs> yesterday, um, Ed Jackson put a clip on Twitter of when... Um, from when he played for London Welsh and um, he put rugby was too easy so now I do disabled mountain climbing instead and I um, replied saying the Cassam Stadium was so ahead of its time uh, hashtag empty stands because there just was not a soul there watching <laughs> London Welsh versus London Irish Bad what a thriller. Um, what a thriller yeah no I mean just before we wrap up I think the yeah no the Leinster Connock Connacht. It comes from the back Connacht. of the throat. Connacht. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. You are trying. I'm proud of you. Leinster played at home against a team that were from Ireland. <laughs> um, <laughs> that were wearing green. And um, have you ever been there? I, 
Pardon? Have you ever been to Connacht, to the best stadium in Galway? I think so. Whenever I watch that stadium, when watch that stadium, I don't watch the stadium and then the rugby's happy. Yeah. Um, I watch the rugby, and I feel like I've played as internationals there, but it's I don't know. Track that no, you would have played at Athlone. I don't know, but we had a massive Kaylee after one of the internationals, um, and actually, to be fair. When we were over there, um, we'd all got benched. I, there was a group of like senior players that got benched for the game. I'd been playing not very well. I'd been playing with a knee injury and other people wouldn't think Spence had been benched. It was all, it was all a bit orcs. Anyway, um, so we decided in the warm-up, in the middle of the game, we went down to the corner of the field and we just, we, each of us had to come up with the most old school um, stretch that we could and we didn't realise that the cameras were on us and so we were doing like arm circles and like touching our toes side to side <laughs> it was honestly one of the funniest things um, yeah anyway um, what was I said uh, Leinster game losing at home wow um, they I mean they had a hell of a lot thrown at them probably not quite as much as when Northampton travelled over for the Champions Cup and there was changes before half time before the kickoff I hadn't even got until Miles was reading out the list and I was like and then there was like HIA followed by HIA followed by injury it was just awful um Johnny Sexton got injured in this game but um I know that it like has got quite a significant effect on the Pro 14 and the different is it paused no, what uh, is it? So there's two conferences. Conferences, that's the bad yeah. boy. Um, conference but it means that Ulster are the only one that is unbeaten. And um, yeah, and I'm going over to Ulster for their game next week in Champions Cup. So hopefully this game goes ahead this weekend, and then which they play Leinster, um, which is massive. And then, yeah, next week I'm on, on the plane. Have I ever told you about, so obviously the hashtag for Ulster fans on Twitter is hashtag S-U-F-T-U-M, stand up for the Ulsterman. And when they, it must have been 2012 when they had their Heineken Cup run to the final. And after one of the games, I put something on Facebook with hashtag Suftum. And my sister, who is dyslexic for anyone who doesn't know, text me and she said what does that stand for I was like well what do you think it stands for Sophie she said shut up effing t-w-a-t you melon I was like no it definitely she was like oh I was very confused I was like I can't think of anything more random for you to think that stands for so yeah that just always makes me laugh um I moving away from rugby and to tie this pod up last night was a really seminal moment in our friendship something that probably not a lot of people are aware of is that whilst you know we are soul sisters in so many ways and the biggest hurdles we have is that I am a massive telly addict and up until the pandemic you were not and last night when everything was kicking off at the Capitol building in Washington DC I was able to text you and say Nolly put CNN on it's like something out of designated survivor and never before have I been able to send you a text with a TV reference that I thought you would understand I was like the day has come well the most ironic thing was that I didn't see it for three hours yeah. and um and then yeah because I, I hadn't looked at my social media I hadn't looked at my phone and was watching Border, which is the new um, series that I've been Netflix yeah. oh, you. Sorry about that. Anyway, should we wrap up and have a Netflix chat next time? Yeah, I like it. Send us your Netflix recommendations because I've now watched Bridgerton all the way through twice. So I need something new. Though I'm not ruling out watching it third time. And make sure you tell us any of your uh, pause for positivity. Pause for positivity and your try hard tips. Bye, guys. Bye. See you, everyone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.